Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Paula Williams, who is um, a woman in recovery and she uses art to end shame and stigma with the incredible Shame Booth installation, um, which we've talked about (laughs) quite substantially on the podcast. Um, So I met Paula and I had the benefit of um, going into the Shame Booth in LA uh, when I was at the She Recovers conference. And I think well, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about it, but shame has become a, a big part of our conversation and a big part of our healing, really. Um, and that's a lot to do with me having that experience, then telling Kate about it and then it being part of our conversation, which has spread to our community and spread uh, mm. to a lot of our work. So we're absolutely delighted, Paula, to have you here from sunny California. Um, so we always start by checking in and saying hi. So hi, Paula, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm in the middle of some heavy stuff with my mom. Mm-hmm. So you ask me, I go right in. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> good. So, yeah. Um, yeah, some, some challenges with, uh, you know, my mother who doesn't live, she lives in Texas. I'm in Northern California and she's really, um, in her disease Mm. and it's really ugly and I have to deal with it. Mm. And Mm. I don't, I really don't want to deal with it. In what, um, in what sense do you have to deal with it in terms of like maintaining a relationship with her or in terms of the fallout of her behavior or? Well, I mean, I've, I've been kind of in this role of her kind of, I'm the oldest. She's, mm. she's been on this like wackadoo mental journey since I was 18. So this is not new. Mm. It's just getting worse. And so she has alienated everybody else in the family. And I've been the one who has the most recovery and the most, um, more tools than other family members. So Mm. I feel like I can kind of handle it, but I'm at a breaking point where I just, uh, I'm thinking some really unkind things about her at this moment. And I'm, I just, yeah, I like, I just want it. I want that part to be done so that I could just focus on my husband and my kids and not Mm. this Mm. other person who clearly doesn't want any help. So that's a real bummer. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to hear about that. And it's, it's uh, tough. And that's one of those things that has shame, right? Because mm. it's like when we when we're trying to yeah, know when to step back from a relationship or when to let things go, you know. I mean, I've certainly had that with friendships in the past or relationships where it's like it's not helping me and it's mm. not keeping me well but letting that go or putting distance is incredibly difficult and so, it's really yeah, hard when it's a member of your own family you know because I've had um experience with my father I didn't know him very well but I got to meet him as an adult and I 
got to sort of go, actually, I, you were never my dad and now you're, yeah, you're, you're not going to be my dad now. And, um, yeah, sort of make, made that decision. And it's like, wow, actually, like who gets, I don't, I didn't know anyone at the time who had to sort of have those thoughts about them, any members of their own family sort of thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's tough. No, I'm sorry to hear that. That shit's going down for you. Yeah. Oh, Oh, and to make make my shame feel, I mean, even feel more shame is that I just finished listening to Demi Moore's new Mm. memoir, Inside Out, and she had a very uh, similar situation with her mom, and her mom ended up dying, and she was there. She actually moved back home to be with her mom, and... um, and she was able to kind of repair, even though her mom was horrible and ruined her wedding. Like my mom ruined my wedding. Like there's some similarities, but Demi was able to kind of um, accept and love her mom and be there for her. So I feel extra shitty because mm. I don't want to do it. Yeah, but mm. you. Yeah, but that's okay. But you, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, you get mm. you get the right to choose. Um, and it doesn't have to be forever either. I mean, I think that sometimes when we're looking at like self-care or disconnect, it's like well, it's about now and it's about, mm. you know, as you say, you've got daughters and, you know, we make choices because of, of to keep us well. And then, you know, you can mm. it, it doesn't need to be forever. I mean. So uh, you're, wel- you're welcome for that really upbeat. yeah yeah well you know usually mandy asks me how i am and i'm like oh really how long have you got (laughs) and actually i'm i'm in quite a good mood today because we found out we're doing a panel with club soda in january right and we filed two chapters of our book today so we did i'm like and i took my son to to the doctor today so i feel like i'm you know, like I did a bit of childcare as well. I kind of, you know, the little plates are kind of, you know, that's, that's mm. all right. So it's feeling all right today. That's good. Um, how about I you, Mand? Um, I am, yeah, how am I? I'm okay. I keep getting these little waves of um, not not great feelings at the moment I don't know whether it's the weather related or because of the kind of changing like I've had this really sort of difficult thing going on with social media which was a like Instagram was really my support system in early sobriety and it's really changed and and I don't get to see people that inspire me anymore so I'm kind of like struggling with what I want to do about that um and I get I get like these little moments of high where I'm like, yes, the world's good. And then like, I'll see something and I'm like, Oh no, it's not. And I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to kind of, um, keep on a level with that, I guess. Um, mainly from just sort of, uh, detaching from everything really. And just kind of keeping my world really small. When you, um, said, when you say, um, you don't get to see the people that, it, that were inspiring you on Instagram, d- does that mean, in person that you had a group of people or what do you mean by that? 
Well, it's, I think it's since the algorithms changed is that it's, you know, that they have much more control over what you see. So rather than like, you know, I would like, for example, you did, um, she recovers with Shari the other day, you know, served up so sober, who I think is amazing. And, you know, I, when I first started, I used to follow all her videos and stuff like that. And now it will take me, you know, 10 minutes to be like, where is she? You know, like it won't because that they've messed the way that things come in. So they they plant the kind of content rather than it being led by who you follow and who you like. So it means you spend loads of time just trying to search through, you know, trying to find the people that you really want to see. So I've been on this kind of battle to like um, mute basically everyone, um, which feels, you know, not great, but it's like, okay, do, you know, do I, some people, it's like, do I even know who you are? Like, who are you? I don't even remember. It's boundaries again, though, isn't it? It's like what we're talking about. It's like, okay, how do I not get sucked into other people's orbits? How do I keep my equilibrium? How do I stay well? And it's like, it can be social media, it can be your own family, it can be, you know, life events that are knocking you off balance. So, mm. you know, it's, it's the stuff of busy, bloody modern lives, isn't it? And mm. and women and families and... Yeah, I think it's because that, is that like, you know, I mean, anger is, is a great motivator, you know, it's like what, what keeps you going, keeps you pushing for change and being an activist. And I guess, like there's a few things with social media at the moment because sobriety is becoming quite trendy, which is amazing, you know, but there's some kind of mixed messages. And so it's very hard for me to step back from that and be like trying to be a saver and like, hang on, hold up, you know, don't listen to this message. It might affect you or, you know, he's just selling a product and I'm really sorry. Um, and trying mm. to kind of keep my moral values sort of yeah, in check with something essentially I have no control over whatsoever because it's fucking Facebook, Instagram, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then it's the moment just like, oh, actually, I have a real life, you know, and that's what you're saying. It's like you want to concentrate on your husband and your daughter mm. and, like, your family and not be sort of caught up in, in other pe- people's kind of dramas, really. It's a, it's a balance, isn't it? So, but, yeah. For sure. <laughs> So, So, um, yeah, can you, I'm going to kick off with the first question, Paula, and I'm really, really excited because Mandy told me about Shane Booth. She came back from, she recovers really lit up from the the conference over there. And um, and when she told me about Shane Booth, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Because I was quite... um, well, I'm, I was quite, I was like, oh, wow, that's like a confessional booth. But when women get hold of confession booths, they, it's not like anonymous. It's like you go in and then you sit around and you share and you commune with each other. And it's like, that's what happens when women get hold of these things, right? And I love the idea about the big pants. And I, we're going to delve into that later because it's like super exciting. But um, can you tell us a bit about what brought you to the decision to, to be sober, really, a bit about your journey? Mm-hmm. Well, when I was 36, I had um, I had three daughters at the time, and my father, who was who had been sober for 10 years already, um, was dying, and he uh, sat all of his daughters around in a in my grandmother's room. He sat in a very big fluffy chair, and he sat us out in these folding chairs, and it was like a king a scene from King Lear. 
he sat and told us each how we were disappointments to him. One was a thief. One was um, white trash, and I was the drunk. And he didn't say it in those terms, but at the time, that's what I heard. And he said, I see that you have a real problem with alcohol, and it's not going to end well for you if you don't take a look at that. And of course, I was like, fuck you, you know? You drank for my whole childhood. You were completely MIA. Um, you don't even know me as a grown woman. You don't know my children. Like I was incensed and pissed. And so I drank for seven more years. And then um, on my last night, my daughter, oldest at the time, just had never seen me so out of control. She just... And she's, she's a lot like her dad, super British, doesn't show emotion. And she just had these giant tears, like welling in her beautiful brown eyes and just dropping down on her cheeks. And she just looked at me and I'm like, I'm fucking done. You know, that was it. So I got sober really for my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm staying sober for myself and also to be a good, uh, my relationship with my husband and and be a good mom to three daughters. So. How old are your daughters now? 25, 23, and 20. And wow. I'm eight, eight and a half years sober. Oh, well done. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Well done, well done. Yeah. I didn't think, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think I wanted it either. I was like, mm -hmm. why? Why would people not drink? Um, but. Little did I know this whole other world would be available to us. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, what were the what were the groups? How did you get? What was your process of kind of of getting sober when you once you'd made that decision and kind of? Yeah. yeah what um, were? I knew other people who were in um, AA. My dad was in it. My other my youngest sister who'd been sober for about five years. I had a cousin who was sober. So I had other people who were doing 12 step um, mm -hmm. and some even went to rehab. I wish I would have known. It. I wish rehab would have been available. Like to go to rehab as a mom with three little kids and have your meals made for you and sleep. It just sounds amazing. I would That's like a hotel. Up. It's like a spa. <laughs> you're with like other women, you're journaling. I mean, it just sounds amazing. Anyway, yeah. so I didn't go to rehab. I just started going to meetings. Mm. So, right. I lived in San Francisco. There's like a hundred and some on meetings every day. And I just mm. found a one that was actually a, two blocks from my house. So I started, I started going cause it's at the time I, I didn't know of any other things that were available. Mm. Like now there's, there's so many other resources and support systems outside of AA. I mean, AA works for me and did work, but I have a lot of criticism and stuff about it now as far as as it relates to the literature and how women are perceived and treated I won't go to mixed meetings anymore I only mm. go to I only go to women's meetings mm. Mm, that's interesting yeah I mean it's obviously it's something that Kate and I talk about well certainly privately a lot more than we talk about on the podcast um mm. that you know it's it it's a 
you know, in some ways and for some people, a wonderful, wonderful resource. And thank goodness it exists. But it's certainly what it wouldn't have worked for me. Like, mm. and it didn't I have, work I mean, for me. Yeah, and I, like, I have like yeah. no religious, like nothing, you know. So for me to be able to do anything to do with a sort of higher power, or anything or anything to do with God is like completely just shuts the door to me straight away. Yeah. So, but like you but were yeah. saying, there are so many, like you know, with the she recovers, like pathways and patchworks now, and holistic mm. and respectful processes and modalities right and I think you're right there eight years ago I mean I don't think there was anything else <laughs> so it's yeah. like it's a landscape so different isn't it so yeah I mean I I started to use yoga as part of my recovery um and there were certain words that were being used in the in the shavasana like divine and willingness and strength mm-hmm. and so I I incorporated a lot of you know that mm-hmm. um and self-love and self-compassion and forgive, you know, self for all of that stuff that yeah. I was dealing with, all that stuff all internalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the yeah. ahimsa, isn't it? The ahimsa, which is the non-harming, it's the non-violence to yourself and to others. So I find with the yoga, a lot of the yoga messages really segue so beautifully in, in that like sober journey. Um, and healing, like it's really healing, isn't it? That's been a huge part for you, hasn't it, Kate? Your, yeah, your yoga practice. 100%, like massive, yeah. And that mm. just, I think, you know, that kind of one thing that I'm, sorry, this is your podcast, but now I'm like wanting to go, oh, yes, and another thing. That that whole kind of, yeah, we are. But that whole sort of being able to regulate your nervous system and bring mm. yourself down, which yoga is so good at, which is like a really big thing in whole in triggers right in triggering you know fight flight freeze which is a big trigger towards using a substance that you are addicted mm. to or maladaptive behavior so again yoga is like amazing for that mm. um, but anyway yeah i heard this thing um uh, a podcast interview of whitney cummings you know her she's a comedian she's really funny she's alan on and recovering from eating disorder but she was going on tour doing her stand-up and she was getting really sick she was getting a lot of chest infections and she went to a breath after she got well she went to a breath coach and the breath coach said hey did you grow up in a dysfunctional household she's like oh my god yes how do you know that she said because you're not taking deep breaths you're very shallow breathing and I started to go oh my god breathe like that's that's mm. I related so much to that because that was my experience. So now it's like I'm not I'm paying attention more to my breath. It's not that I'm doing it, but at least I go, oh, I need to be breathing. I'm not. Mm, I'm not. That's really interesting. Mm. I do. I often hold my breath when I'm on my phone. Actually, if I don't go, if I haven't gone to yoga for a few days, actually, I catch myself not breathing. Mm. Regular yoga practice, I'm much better at it, but. But yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. And I can see that because, you know, having PTSD, um, I can see that. Yeah, that I, I, my breathing is really short, is really sharp and short. Um, and I love it when I actually deep breathe. Um, I really, you know, it feels really, really kind of healing and comforting. Mm. And so do you still do you do the steps and, now are you like are you still are you what do you work the program or 
I have, have you a, sort of I have a sponsor, but I don't ever call her, of course. Um, <laughs> I I really there's two meetings I go to a week that are that are women's meetings, mm. and they are just nothing I'd ever experienced before in the city. Um, these meetings are really about the emotional sobriety and like how to how to live life as a woman and to be a wife and a mother and to go through stuff when your kids are struggling or you know mm-hmm. I just it's a level a different level of vulnerability in these other meetings so I go to those two a week mm-hmm. and I'm not really doing um you know the steps but mm-hmm. we wanted to start a group of women uh uh, what are we calling it? Um, sober, um, sober at 50, the third act or living a sober life in the third act, you know, for women that are either 50 mm-hmm. or feel like the kids are getting older and, mm-hmm. and start with reading drop the rock, which I just love that book. I don't know if you know that. No. Um, Say it again. Drop the, drop the rock. rock. I dropped the rock. Okay. It's about, it's step six and seven, which mm. is uh, letting go of your character defenses. I don't like to call them defects because mm. we are not active. We used those things when we were younger to keep us safe and now they just don't serve us. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, so we want to start a group. I mean, I'm just hungry for women groups for, mm-hmm. you know, deep connections with other women who are on the same journey. Cause I'm, I want to learn. I want to grow, and I want to connect. Yeah, I mean that sounds like good. us. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, should we make this group for men? And then no, no, I think we're no. just we're just having it for women. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think we were talking about there there being space for that. It's like you want to be inclusive, but the there is a need for that women only space just like there's a need for men only space i i feel that very much i'm seeing my son go through um puberty at the moment and the lack of male rites of passage and you know like i'm like where i need it to get him to a sweat lodge and to go and kill a pig and sit with his peers you know to make sense of all the testosterone and there's nothing they've got to fit into these boxes so I think there's such a need for male groups as well and in fact my lovely yoga I always talk about my yoga place they're starting a men's sharing circle Mm, and I'm like that is brilliant because it's very female it's one of those places it's almost like the flip of our society it's like it's very female centered and all the the women who teach are women and and it's very yin and badass, mm. badass but for women so t- the fact that they've encouraged the men to kind of have their own sharing group is beautiful but yeah mm. anyway but yeah hearing you that that need for the sisterhood right and uh our well, rites you... of passage and our yeah well with that, I mean that's something that we've talked about a lot like mm. you know because we're writing our book at the moment and it's that those kind of circles of like cycles of life you know and that and as a mother you know you have that that when well you have pre-motherhood and then you have early child when your kids are young and with all those kind of things that are, are attached and they're very different conversations to when you've got like preteens or early adolescence and then you've got that mm. and and you're changing body you know and then you know when you're hitting the perimenopause and your children are are leaving home you know that's just completely different cycle and those aren't respected enough. So what happens is we're constantly mm. trying to be 22, you know, and 
and not allowing ourselves to kind of age and also respect our body and that cycle to go, well, you know what? I am bloody fucking tired now because, you know, I'm 40 and perimenopausal and this, my kids are taking up this amount of space in my head. And yeah, so that respect. And I think the only people that really get that is other women. And you're like, oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're like that too. Yeah. And also like sober women, (laughs) right? Because yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's still that because then there's that level of honesty. <laughs> I'm I find of that. Well, I'm not numbing out. I, I actually wanted to go back to that about what you said about um, the emotional sobriety, and if you could talk a bit more about that for maybe people listening that haven't come across that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think in the beginning, you know, just clearing all the booze and drugs out of my system and being tired and you know the physical effects and emotional but then realizing okay I'm I'm doing the work I don't have cravings so much I'm I feel like I have tools to deal with like not drinking and not using but I'm still an asshole or I'm still living in fear or I'm still um I've got all this negative self-talk or things like I'm the piece of shit why bother or um you know, not just showing, not showing up in my life as the woman I was, that I want to be and that I can't be. And so I think that's the emotional sobriety is like not losing my shit over small things, being able to be a little more flexible, being able to ask for what I need or gently ask for what I need from my husband instead of demand or, you know, there's just, Um, I mean, I used drugs and alcohol because I couldn't handle my emotions. Mm -hmm. So now that you take that away, I've got to learn how to deal with my emotions. Mm. And shame was really one of the big ones for me when I would first go to meetings and I would hear, um, there were things I was like, I would never tell another person about this. And then I would hear women share their Mm. experience. And I, and then there was kind of some laughter and some like, yeah, me too. High five on the date rape. Yeah, what? Me too. Like, and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. This yeah. safe place where women are holding each other and not judging. Mm. And so I started doing that, started talking about it, and I started to get better. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then I thought, take this idea outside of these dark, mysterious, you know, anonymous rooms and bring it out into the light and say, look at this. Look at this amazing gift come over here, step inside that booth and, and share something that you're, you're ashamed of. Mm. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, so, so let's move on to shame booth then. So you, you had this idea, okay, let's take it out. How did you come up with the concept of, of what it looks like now and, you know, the process of, of building it and, and then taking it out? What was the first event you did? How did that kind of go? You know? Um, So as an artist, my job is to disturb the peace. James Baldwin said that, and that has really struck with me. It's like um, artists are there to make people wake up uncomfortable, like um, not just create something pretty that costs, that's a value, you know, from like an investment standpoint, but like to get people thinking. So um, I had an, an idea about, 
well, I had a bad experience in a confessional and when I was 17. So the idea of going into this dark, scary place with a creepy old dude with bad breath behind a screen mm. who is going to tell me how to, you know, make, um, uh, ask for forgiveness. Anyway, so I was like, fuck that done with church. And then, um, I just had this idea that the, the telephone, the idea of a telephone and how important a phone was and how we have phones, but nobody uses them for the purpose that they were intended, like to actually talk to somebody, to listen to somebody. So this idea of like a phone booth, this beacon of hope in the middle of a field or wherever with a light on it. So we, I found um, an amazing team of people who are really good at what they do. And I brought this idea to them and they're like, this is cool. We'll help you. So we took it to a recovery event at Chrissy Field with an organization called Center for Open Recovery. Uh, Faye Zenoff is the executive director and um, I was involved on on their board. And I said, if you're going to try to end shame and stigma around substance abuse and recovery, like there needs to be something really fun here, not just tables and pamphlets for like, sober living, uh, you know, um, like AA literature or, you know, I just thought this is, no one's going to want to get sober. I mean, (laughs) yeah. So I asked if I could create this uh, booth, shame booth. She's like, yeah, do it. So we brought it there. And, um, the amount, what, what we got from that first event was just gold, the power of the stories that people left behind. And then someone said, you know, um, these recordings are pretty amazing. Uh, Tanya, the partner said, um, for the creative partnership said, Hey, we should create a podcast. These are, these are really amazing. And these stories need to be told. And then we would just take, I took it to different events, you know, to college campuses where we heard some stories about sexual violence on campus Mm -hmm to, um, a domestic, some domestic violence events, you know, and, um, we brought it to, she recovers. We got some amazing things and not just all about addiction, not just the horrible shames, but like even just maybe smaller things that really get in our way, Mm. you know, of just feeling like I don't feel great in my body. You know, I just don't feel sexy. I don't feel attractive or I'm having thoughts about, you know, um, cheating or I'm, yeah. I don't feel like a mom or, um, I can't come out to my parents because of my religious upbringing. And so I'm, you know, hiding, whatever. I mean, they're all, all, all over the gamut, but what we saw when people were coming out of there was like, you could see it, a physiological yeah. change in their body. Yeah, super powerful. Getting quite emotional, but remembering mine. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to one the other day and there was a girl that, you know, she was from a Hispanic family and that her, you know, she'd had sex before marriage. You know, that was her shame. And it's just incredible the things that what what is so incredible, I think, is is also that it allows you to have a deeper understanding of other people, too, mm. because it. it in listening, like, because in, uh, she recovers, not only was the booth, but we, there was the room where you could write your letters. 
there was a name for it wasn't there yeah the listening lounge the listening lounge and so as you were writing your letter so which I still haven't got mine by the way I'm it's lost in transatlantic post um but we all wrote a letter to ourselves to and then Paula was going to send them all off and we were going to read them a year later um and as we were in there there were recordings of Shane Booth playing and it was just such a kind of magic it was very peaceful Mm. room really like beautiful loads of rugs and and white cushions and I remember sitting in there with Penny you know um Mm -hmm. Australian Penny um recovery Buddha yeah and um just listening listening to other people's stories and just going wow god I can't believe someone felt ashamed about that you know Mm. that kind of compassion of just like wow you know they shouldn't or their voice was so so sort of soft and and beautiful. It was just like, oh, you know, that kind of like, oh, that's so sad that it's they that felt sort like of that. Common humanity, isn't it? It's yeah. like that you realise that it's universal. You realise that everyone has it, and that is from going from such a lonely, isolating feeling. It's the opposite. You're like held in the circle, and that's I love what you said about because I did I picked up on the confession booth reference and I was thinking because mm. I was in Rome with my mum a couple of years back and and we were in this particular church sorry I'm really digressing I'll get back on the topic really soon but um I can just remember being in this church and it wasn't it wasn't the basilica it was on the outskirts and there were all of these confession booths and people going in and out and they were terrifying they were fucking really terrifying and my my mum but I really wanted to go in there and my mum went well go on then go in there and I went well I haven't got anything to be ashamed of <laughs> I mean and I really have right so no I mean I I, I it was a joke um and she was just like oh I see you're feeling like that are you Mrs Confident but I was like but you know I actually really would have liked to have gone in them but they are absolutely bloody terrifying and mm. so I love I love the fact that it, yeah, like I said, that's what happens when women get hold of it, right? Well, not any women. You got hold of it and were like, actually, this is what's needed to bring it full circle. And the, yep. you know, let's have the loop. Let's have the circle. Well, that's that's the idea. And I mean, especially in this time of in the world where everything is going to shit, mm. um, people are people want to do something to be helpful and to change, you know, the direction of, of, of humanity and our planet and our connection with human beings and stop being so divisive and full of hatred. We can't do that if you haven't done your own mm. shit. Mm. Like this is like one small invitation to start the conversation really with yourself. Mm. Yeah really just with yourself but I think it's really powerful though like I I I think it's to me it's like one of those ideas that is so important and so great that you think why hasn't it done been done years ago why wasn't it like this before and you don't you get that occasionally an idea comes along when you're like that's one of those and when i heard mm-hmm. mandy talking about it and her experience and i felt her and i felt her lightness and i felt her transformation i thought that's one of those bloody ideas you clever mm. bug clever bugger <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah. i can't i really want 
to do it. Like, I want to do it. Are you going to She Recovers This in Miami? Yeah, Miami. So I'm fingers yeah. crossed that I can, if anyone um, wants to kind of give me some money so I can go, anyone's listening in and wants to kind of. <laughs> well, will you be finished with your book? Because that's the perfect place to sling your book. Are those yeah. kind of. Yeah. Hopefully, pre-order well, for them. It'll be pre-order. Yeah. yeah. It's out in September. So it'll be pre-order at that point. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was just interested because we've talked a little bit about the kind of taking on the 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 kind of problems of other people like how do you because I presume you listen to all of the recordings like do you have a process to be able to kind of like listen and let that go because it must oh, be quite it's um, hard. yeah what's really hard is like I am an addict so I find mm. something I'm really into like right now all the books that I'm reading are all about trauma rape domestic violence sexual assault um, child abuse, um, with a narrative and humor, right. Mm. But I'm so into it. And then I do, and then I'm listening to the recordings and my shrink is like, you, you need a break. Like you can't <laughs> taking this in, even though you, you think you're fine and you can handle it because you're going to crack. Yeah. So to your point, I, um, I don't listen to all of them if it, and also if it's somebody I know, I won't listen to it because it's, I feel like I want to give that person a little bit of distance, especially Mm. if I know well. Um, But we have other people who, a couple other people on the team that listen, but um, it's, sometimes it's quite, um, some, some are horrible. Some are really, really horrible. Mm. But, you know, there's a couple where you're just like, wow. But, you know, they usually come through the other side. That's yeah. The, yeah. the more horrible of your, the more horrible shame or stuff that you're carrying around, it's a little easier to let it go if you've already done the work. Mm. And it loses its power over you. That's the, that's the beauty is... Yeah, I mean, that was 100% was my experience was just, you know, I was sort of sat there, like in She Recovers going, right, you know, I, I talk about my problems with alcohol, you know, but I never talk about other stuff. It's like, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And then I went into Shane Booth. And just when I put down the phone, it was just that like, (sighs) okay, I have control over this now. Like, I can talk about it if I want to. I don't have to. But it was just, but it didn't feel heavy anymore. And um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me that space because it, yeah, really did really, really help me. Good. Um, so how did you get involved with uh, She Recovers and with Dawn? How did that come about? I met Dawn through Faye. Um Zenoff from Center for Open Recovery. We she recovers was doing these little events called um, Sacred Pause, where they were these kind of yoga and you know like a four hour, four or five hour kind of gathering of women in cities. And they came mm-hmm. to San, they wanted to do one in San Francisco, and I met them. I met them, her and Don, uh, Don and Taryn then. 
and Shane Booth sponsored, helped sponsor that event so that they could be at the space. And we brought our booth there. And um, then she said, hey, we're, we're doing this thing in L.A., what do you think? And at the time I, I said, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Um, you know, it's easy to do this work in the recovery world, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's embraced. It's, um, people get it. So, you know, it's easy to stay in that, in this community and they love us and they've given us great opportunities. Is it still going? Yeah, sorry, it's my calendar. Um, And we built a second booth for that event that is comes in pieces, and you put it in a crate. It's about it's about eight hundred pounds, but it's you can put it on a truck and freight it. So that was the new one, and then we, and then we launched the listening lounge just to see what how people responded to that, and they really seemed to enjoy that. Um, Yeah. And so we, I, we speak with Dawn regularly. You know, I went to her retreat. I went to the retreat in Salt Spring Island in Vancouver, which was incredible. And we did a six city tour with them on their creating connections tour in six cities. I only went to four and we created the shame game cards um, specifically for the creating connections tour where she recovers because a lot of the times some women would show up at these events by themselves. Mm. And, uh, at least for me, you can't really have a connection with somebody unless you're willing to really talk about something of interest other than what do you do? What do your kids do? Um, you know, what does your husband do? Like all that small talk that I drank over cause I couldn't answer it. Um, so these, these are questions that we, um, we would have the ladies break up into small groups and give them a question and like, so we should like, do it. Should we do it? Yeah. Let's give it a go. Okay. You want to do one? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> she just pick. threw me in there. I'm like, I'm going to okay. pick one. I'm going to yeah. pick one for you. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Can you see that? What does it say? I can't see it. You read it to us. I can't okay. see it because your fancy ah. camera is doing a okay. depth of field thing. Uh, Mandy, this is for you. When do you feel like your best self? Hmm. Oh, you got a nice one. I, know. I want that one. That's like, um, <laughs> it's where you think that, but then you're like, oh. I never feel like my best. <laughs> <laughs> um, when do I feel like my best self? When I um, when I'm at peace. So when I know the kids are happy and I've actually slept well. Um, yeah, when I I know I've looked after myself enough to not be in not be suffering which is um yeah so when I am yeah when I know I'm looking after myself which is the majority of my life has not been the case (laughs) yeah right and then everything goes to shit so like yourself 
<laughs> we're told not to. That that's selfish. Mm. Like there's nothing wrong with being fucking selfish. Okay, Kate. Oh, dude. Dude. Oh, no. Oh, no. What is it? This is a good one. What lie have you gotten away with? What lie have I gotten away with? Okay, but I'm quite proud of this. <laughs> I've, well, the, one of the biggest lies is that I, I built a whole career on fabricating a CV um, when I was in when I moved to London <laughs> and I did a bit of work experience as a, as a photo editor and then I made up this CV that I'd worked kind of everywhere and <laughs> then I got loads of work and, and that was it I had a couple of bad experiences where um, I got caught out and that I got sacked um, and then, but and, I, and then I was really paranoid that the word would get round on this on the circuit. But then, like literally, I had a few good gigs, and then I just kept getting books. I literally built a career on a total lie. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not, you see, that's like, but that like it, yeah. I'm, all, I'm I all right men, with that. Men do that all the time. That is true. Yeah. That is they bloody true. Embellish their skills. Yeah. No, we're like, well, I didn't go to the right school, so I can't. I'm not really qualified to apply for this job. Mm. Men are like, hey, I, I'll do it. Yeah. That's so true. That is so true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Kate. I'm impressed. Thanks. Okay. You. I think you do. I'll pick a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll pick a card. Oh, what, what's your go-to feeling stuffer, food, sex, drugs, booze, Netflix, or shoes? Mm. Right now it is food. Yeah. It's, it's like, I got sober from the drugs and alcohol, but then all my other issues, you know, start to come up as, mm. as I do the work and, so yeah, I have some serious, dis seriously disordered eating and, um, oh, I have such shame around it, mm. but, um, yeah, like I did late nights, I do late night snacking and, and I do it. And as I'm doing it, I'm like, this isn't good for me. You know, my doctor said I'm pre, pre -dia diabetic, you know, I really shouldn't be doing this, but I'm like this granola is really good and these blueberries are delicious and oh, there's some peanut butter over there. And then I, I go to bed and I still have like food in my mouth, like a chipmunk, you know, like I'm saving it up when I fall asleep. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wake up feeling gross, like hungover from eating. It's so weird, isn't it? How we mm. do these sort of self-sabotaging things. However kind of woke we can be, it's you know, it's, it's, it's a fucking journey. <laughs> it's a it journey. is. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. I uh, love I, these cards. They're amazing. Oh, uh, yes. I want to get those cards. Okay. Where can do you, we get can you, them? Um, can we? You'll e email me and then I'll, because we want to set up our website so you could actually sell stuff, but we haven't mm -hmm. gotten there yet. So they mm -hmm. are um, $15 US. So I guess that's what. A tenner. Yeah, about ten ten pounds, but plus mm. about fifteen thousand pounds of postage. <laughs> True. Maybe that's I, fine. 
you have to save them for Miami and we'll pick them up. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bring them from Miami. Um, mm. But what a powerful thing to be able to sit with other women and say, I'm ashamed about that. And just to say it out loud. That's it, isn't it? And I still get that kind of British, well, British and female thing about, oh, have I just, you know, moaned? Too much. Have I just, yeah, no, and my thing, my go-to is I'm going to just crack another joke because I've just said something. Mm. So I'm just going to be a knob, you know, like, (laughs) definitely, you know, and that's all that kind of self, I don't know, just uh, protection, isn't it? You know. Yep. It's keeping Mm. people at a distance a little bit. It's afraid Mm. to really show that you might be in pain or uncomfortable. Yeah, right. You're going to do this thing. And it's like, ooh, and when I do those things, I I feel icky. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I do. Mm. I feel like, ooh, gross. Shame. It's shame. Mm. I feel shame when I do. Yeah, it's um, like, like sorry, it's just, it's, when you when you are, you know, drinking. I mean, I used to feel so much shame when I was drinking because it would bring out parts of my personality that I, you know, didn't like that kind of like really loud or leery or just quite sort of aggressive or just not very nice. I mean, just a bit of a dick. And um and occasionally you'll get little whiffs of that, like, you know, you'll sort of say something at a party and you'll be like, yeah, and I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, she's not dead. Oh, my God. And then you have to accept that it's actually just you, <laughs> that you are a bit of a dick sometimes. Right. And, um, but then it's like, who are you surrounded with? That's quite often how I feel. It's like, well, actually, you know, if I really think was, yeah, I can take some responsibility, but actually I probably just don't really like those people or we're not compatible to be around so when I'm with them I act in that way because it's like yeah again it's that self-protection thing isn't Mm. it and it's like rather to rather to damp yourself down and be stamped on than to actually sort of stand proud which is a kind of fucked up thing that most women do I think so Mm -hmm. yeah and stop saying you're sorry (laughs) you know (laughs) It's funny though that um, the whole of Britain is like, what? Sorry, sorry. But it's interesting though that that you know, like I don't know if sometimes in our kind of recovery journeys that we acknowledge ourselves enough and our because I was just thinking as you you were saying that Mandy about being a dick. (laughs) I'm just gonna let that. That res that just echo a little bit, right? So I've enjoyed that. Um, but I was just thinking, like, how much of a people pleaser I used to be, and how much insecure, and how much always hyper vigilant, checking outside, 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 and how how I really don't so much anymore. Like, I don't really give a fuck about mm. a lot, lots of stuff that then I did I mean maybe that's partly age but I think a lot of that is that you were saying like that the work you know the work mm. that you you have to be sober every day so you so you show up every day and then you have to find a way to deal with whatever is in that day so therefore you do you can't help but grow and get mm. better at dealing with with it all which is amazing, which I love, which I'm just like, ah, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. And that is fucking awesome. Um, yeah, so there is that like, oh, okay, I don't actually care as much. 
know. But, but it's your your, yeah. your values have changed too. You know, it's like your yeah. the things you care about are different things, aren't mm. they? But I remember about year about the third year in, definitely just that kitchen window moment I've spoken before about feeling still like I was still doing all of that and thinking, what if, what, what just if like this little voice said, what if I just was my own best friend? What if I have my own back? What might that be like? And I thought, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That's terrifying because then I won't be trying to get approval from outside. And then what will happen? The whole world will crumble and fall in and all hell will break loose and it's so I actually Mm. thinking about it there was that time when it was like no even in sobriety like Mm. can I say something about yeah seeking approval outside of yourself because this Mm. came up for me last week was um seeking approval outside myself and then if I get it um I don't believe it Mm. (laughs) yeah up is so like, yeah, I'm looking for praise and for people to say how great I am or how amazing Shane Booth is or mm. what a good mom I am or how amazing these muffins were that I baked. And then when someone tells me that, I don't believe them. Mm. Talk, yeah, talk that's about so true. How self-centered that is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really looking outside myself for mm. the answer, for validation, for ease, for peace, for joy. It's like, no, no, dude, it's... Mm. I didn't. He's been here all along. It's almost like that's like that can be a really nice cherry on top, but it shouldn't be the cake. You know, Mm. it's like the cake is all in here, but then when people want to throw a bit of hundreds and thousands on it and a cherry and a little bit of sauce, that's fine, right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I find it very difficult to take a compliment, even though I really want. So I really get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But it's like yesterday when I met Sorella, I've pinned back the fringe today because um, I cut my hair. I put I, I had an, uh, a crisis hairdo <laughs> decision and I cut a fringe and, and I'm like, really a week later, I really hate it. And everyone was like, oh, I like your fringe. And I was like, I hate it. I fucking hate it. Don't look, don't look at my fringe. Don't say the F word. So, um, yeah. Can you say you having a look? Don't 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 ever do bangs. Bangs are terrible. Yeah. What 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 you said about it was like you you unlearned the lesson that you'd learned about a fringe like three years ago. Like you knew that you didn't like it, and Mm. then you did it again. And then I I mean that follicular amnesia and had that too, where I'm like, oh, I think I'm gonna look really good in bangs, and then I and then my hairdresser's like, yeah, let's do it, and then I do it, and I go. Oh, yeah. I did it again. Yeah, I know. I know. I keep I keep saying this to my family, and they're like, "No," and I'm like, mm. oh, I think," but they're like, "No." It's like, so thank goodness for the moment they've kept me on the the right track. Straight the no fringe. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about how Shane Booth has progressed because I know that you've got a new system now that you can you can travel with it much more. And you said that you were going to go down to the border. Can you tell us a little bit oh, about yeah. how you? you know Um, how you well one of the one of the things that we did last year um in the in the states was we had a big brouhaha about the one of the supreme court guys being approved brett kavanaugh and to be in dc at the time so i packed up a big suitcase full of the red jumpsuits and the no shame 
granny panties and I got a big giant piece of like roll rolling butcher paper and I went with a friend in front of the White House and um, tried to get all the Chinese tourists away, you know, from taking selfies in front of the White House. And um, I rolled out this piece of paper and it said, who is your Brett Kavanaugh? Mm. And so I still get chills thinking about it, but Mm. women were like, stop, they stopped and they paused. And then one woman got down and she wrote a name and then another woman got her knees and she wrote a name. And then my friend who was with me, who I'd known since college and I didn't know she wrote a name. And then another woman had gone around the went to the corner and she'd come back and she was kind of gently crying with her husband. And she said, I, I, I walked by and I went mm. to the corner and I wasn't ready, but I need to do this. And so she got on her knees and wrote the name. And so like the ability to be able to move quickly, we didn't have a portable booth then, but we were still able to be, you know, activists and, um, you know, as an artist disturbing the peace mm. So with the booth, I would like to be able to do that. It would be nice to drive down to the border, go to the detention centers where the immigrant, you know, our our immigration policy is just horrible. What's happening to families and children and women? And hearing people like banging to, uh, yeah, right. you know, to be able to to really stir the pot because I'm really good at it, and people um, really look at themselves and see like what, how come we're not really connecting, you know, why is there so much struggle in in the country and in the world? It's because people are just scared. Mm. I think it comes from fear. People are just afraid. Yeah. And we think we're so different from the guy next door, the person across the border, but it's like shame is a universal emotion and we all have it. Yeah. If you don't think you have it, you're not looking hard enough. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll be able to bring it over to Europe at some point. Mm. And, you know, because I think... Be in, in September. You'll be where, sorry? In, in France. Oh, mm. in my land. Yes, in France. Um, and, but we have, you know, we do, we have a podcast as well, Shane Booth podcast. We've had a, really some incredible Yes. Amazing guests. Yeah. Tarana Burke and um, this woman who has written a book called Crazy Love, funny, Crazy Love. Um, Leslie Morgan Steiner, who escaped a really gnarly domestic violence situation when she was a young woman. And um, our next episode is written by a woman, or is, I interviewed a woman who wrote a book called That's Mental crazy things that make her crazy things 
funny things that make her crazy about having mental illness, something like that. I should probably know the name of that book. I interviewed her, for God's sakes. Amanda Rosenberg. She's British, mm. but she lives in the U.S. I have, I have seen that book. Yeah. She's really fucking funny and smart. Um, so that, that'll be out uh, next week. And then okay. that's the only thing I really spend time on. And we have somebody who actually is putting the tapes, uh, image of the tape with transcriptions of the recordings that we've been collecting. So like four days a week, there'll be a report that you'll be able to hear that we've collected. We're getting really good feedback from, from those. People seem to like those a lot. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So we should wrap up uh, now. Um, we always finish with uh, your tip of the day and your reason to love sober. Um, your tip can be anything uh, very profound or very silly. It's up to you. <laughs> Don't think you can do this perfectly. It is messy. <laughs> It is really, really messy and, um, don't, don't, you're not going to do it perfectly. So have fun with that, whatever that means. <laughs> no. Oh, I like that. Oh, I love it. It's yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about perfectionism mm. and it's just, I'm being messy. They're like, mm. they're like, yeah, hand in hand, aren't they? The wine, which, perfectionist and shame they all yeah like... and the inner meanie <laughs> my daughter paula my daughter who's eight calls it the uh, a maniac not a maniac <laughs> a maniac which i love <laughs> yeah. she call that is that what she calls you no <laughs> well yeah sometimes maniac. you maniac mommy <laughs> i like it yeah, and so what's, what's your, your reason to love sober today? Did you hear me? No. What? Oh, the, what's oh. your reason to love sober today? Oh, my gosh. My life is just so much. I didn't. First of all, I didn't think I would be alive. I had no concept of a future or what it would look like. And my life is so much better. And, well, it's more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. So, I mean, it would all go away if I didn't stay on this path, mm. you know? So being sober has been, so being sober is the new block, you know, it it's is. super, it's super trendy, but we're ahead of it. We're ahead of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's amazing to talk to you, Paula. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you for your, all that amazing work. Like, gave me shivers when you were talking about the White House stuff. And, you know, really, thank you. I know you don't want to mm. take it in, but try to. Mm. I, lo I love it. It's mm. really fun. And maybe we need to come do some shaking it up over there. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. Yep. yeah, we'll work on it. We'll work on it in okay. Europe. We'll, yeah. Yeah. We're on it. We're on it. Yeah. We're, we're on it. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, just do reach out and you can make contact with us on the site or there's many, many sober forums we talk about every week, you know, on there are Facebook groups, there are, you know, people on Instagram. Um, if you're in the UK, Alcohol Change um, has agencies of local support. Um, your GP, just reach out. Don't feel like you're on your own, you know, and don't feel ashamed. That's, I think, the big message coming from you know Paula today and and definitely something that we talk about is you know no shame just reach out you're not alone and um thank you for listening and we'll see you next week for more chat bye